Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. Oh, that was really interesting, mate, yeah. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Extra Inch. We're back, and it's the classic threesome today of my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Good evening, Wendy. And our tactics guy, Nathan A. Clark. What's up? How's it going? What's up? Love this. <laughs> Ro- roaring it back to the 90s. Yeah, is this your new, this is your new intro, is it? Yeah, I'm going to start wearing a baseball cap sideways, um, really baggy jeans. Maybe come life. in some rollerblades. That's it. <laughs> Blade in. Hello, good to see you, Nath. You missed the last one with Priya. I did, I did. You shunted me out. Uh, <laughs> I've been bottling it up, and now I'm going to have a go at you, because I really wanted to be on the episode. It was really, really good. Priya is um, incredibly impressive. Her knowledge and her memory are both um, amazing, and thank you so much for all the kind words um, we've had on Twitter about that that particular episode. Um, I think Priya's won Spurs fans back over, to some degree. Uh, she definitely got a few um, I forgive you messages, which was nice. So we're back with Cave at SNK Studios. Many thanks to him and them for hosting us once again. And this time we figured, since we've not had Nathan's insight for a couple of podcasts, we're going to do a bit of a roundup. And we got plenty of questions on Twitter when we asked. So let's just get straight into it. We asked um, for questions last week. So they're all kind of, well, some of them are relevant to, to recent goings on. And we'll start off with one from Thomas Chadwick on Twitter who says VAR has been pretty controversial and delivered dubious results during our cup run surely we don't want to implement it in the Premier League and how much of a disaster is it going to be in the summer so what do we think VAR I mean I'm for VAR we had this discussion with Jack Pitbrook um, a few months ago and I'm for the principle of it I'm personally fed up of bad decisions um, ruining football games and having long standing effects I mean there's still things which I will never forget that happened in like 2002, which still upset me to the day. But I do agree that the way it's been implemented and the way it's been used currently has not been perfect. Well, it's been pretty much far from perfect. And it's taken a, um, a device which is meant to make the game better or at least fairer, uh, a little bit more clear, and it's just made it more confusing for the majority of fans. I certainly think um, English fans and especially Spurs fans have been given a very negative... Um, or a very negative experience with VAR. Um, but I don't think that it maybe represents how it's been across the world where it's been implemented. Um, so I'm sort of fairly neutral on it. I think it has... It's like a, a talented young player. It has potential, um, but it's not off to a great start. Um, my only concern is that we are committing to it on a global level 
rather than still experiencing it as a trial period. And I think for the next couple of years, we should still be viewing it as a trial rather than embedding it in the sport in the way that it can't be reversed. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. We It shouldn't go to the World Cup and it shouldn't be used in the Premier League. It needs to continue to be tested. We need referees who are comfortable with it. Uh, we need a fan base who kind of need to be informed. Um, we were speaking before we started recording with Cave, who was at the um, Rochdale game at Wembley. And he remembers just total and utter confusion in the stadium. And that's not what you want it to do. In rugby, they will quite happily show the repeats on the big screen so people kind of understand what's being reviewed. But for some reason, football has always been against replaying kind of controversial moments or stuff like that in the stadium. So that's issue number one, isn't it? The the what the fans see at the stadium um, issue, and as as Cave mentioned to us beforehand, nothing was the answer to that. They didn't see anything. We didn't even know that the AR was being used at the time. It was. It mm-hmm. wasn't clear. I mean, even watching that match at home, you saw the referee with his hand to his ear, but you'd have no real no way of knowing that it was being consulted unless the commentators hadn't picked it out except for the fact that it took so long which is point number two really how long it takes to make a decision um in that game in particular it was a complete disaster because they couldn't make their minds up on various issues i don't know if the panel at stockley park is is working the way it should be i gather there's some kind of um there's an ex-referee there's an ex-player and someone else in the panel i forget the composition but they clearly weren't coming to a a decision very quickly Mm -hmm. And the third issue for me is when it is used, and I think this is the big one. It seems to me that it's being used too frequently. It's meant to be when it's a, a there's meant to be a clear um, mistake, potential for a clear mistake to have happened. I think that's not strictly true. I think it's being used in instances where it doesn't need to be used, and I think that leads to further fan confusion and more controversy in terms of decisions being overturned that were potentially fine. And, and the, the big one in that Rochdale game was the uh, Lamella goal for Llorente's uh, foul in the build-up, when actually, he, he you know, if anything, he was fouled in the build-up. The first infringement came on Llorente rather than by Llorente. Yeah, it shouldn't be used for double-checking whether or not something might have occurred. It needs to be used when something has occurred. So the people who are reviewing it need to get in contact immediately with the referee and say, stop, there's something here which is um, which has happened. And the referee should use it if he, you know, if he gets the feeling or from one of his assistants at a pitch, they say, wait, wait, we need to review this. Um, uh, this weekend, Sun scored a goal against Swansea and the linesman probably should have kept his flag down because there was that area of, um, he could be onside, he could be offside, but the me- moment he put his flag up, the play stops he should have allowed it to carry on and then the decision could have gone to VAR and it, it probably would have stood but because the, cl- the linesman put his flag up it, all of a sudden you're relating something which is a little bit dubious to um, to something which can't, you can't even decide using VAR I feel like some of the anger directed towards VAR um, is that it's not an issue of VAR itself but rather that the replays and um, multiple referee involvements is exposing the issues that already exist in the rules that we weren't otherwise getting into because we simply um, allowed run one referee to make a decision then we moved on. And I think that there are a lot of um, fragilities and inconsistencies within the rules and the way that the game is refereed as mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, it needs training. The referees need training. The mat- operating VAR needs training. And there is the kind of thing about it talks about passion and it could remove the element of, um, you know, someone just losing it and limbs in the stadium. 
But there was an example this weekend in Italy where um, Cutrone scored a goal for Milan. Yeah. And um, it went to VAR. And I don't know if you saw if you saw this teenage boy when they, when they gave his goal, he just thundered across the pitch and he celebrated. You know, I know it's a little bit different, and it might remove some of the emotion of a goal going in. But I don't. The goal people talk about quite a lot is the goal Harry Kane scored against Arsenal, where he cut in from the right hand side and whipped it in. You know, VAR is not going to change that feeling when the ball goes in, and doesn't change it that much but what it will do is it will stop a goal like Mustafi's goal against um, Tottenham at Arsenal which changed the course of that game which was an offside header that's where VAR steps in and says wait the game doesn't change here that's an offside goal it remains nil-nil and the whole complex the complexion of that game changes because immediately Arsenal scored and they were able to try and hit us on the counter yeah, I mean, I completely agree, and I sort of go back to the point you made earlier, which was that referees aren't ready for this yet in terms of the World Cup, and I have this horrible nagging doubt that this World Cup will be known as the VAR World Cup thereafter, and probably for the wrong reasons. Um, I mean, let's hope there are some tweaks before it's implemented at that point. Even though technically we've already had a VAR World Cup where um, Zidane was sent off by yeah. a kind of yeah. semi-VAR um, person. Very true. Okay, so I think we've done VAR to, to death to some extent across uh, the extra inch and the fighting cock over the last few weeks. So let's move on. And we've got an interesting question from uh, BQ, BloomQ on, on Twitter. Um, he's talking about uh, squad composition. So he says, with the preference of switching Sw- Son as Kane's backup and Barley's recent dismissal of cheap Kane alternatives, I'd love to hear you talk about squad composition rather than squad depth. And he adds... Do teams with great success over a period of time tend to have players that slot into a system seamlessly or do they tend to be good at adapting to the system itself? Well, I think he's referring to my comment about us trying to um, find an alternative to Kane and continually buying like strikers who aren't up to, who aren't up to it. And we're buying um, target men like, um, like Lorente, like Janssen, who um, never get the game time, so never get the match sharpness and then don't offer us something different to Kane and end up offering us something completely less and a player that can't play in tandem with Harry Kane. Just to focus on the end of the question there and talk sort of more globally rather than specifically about Spurs, uh, on this sort of, do you want alternatives or do you want more of the same? Um, and and he, the question asker BQ um, asked us to look back at previous squads. I think what we're seeing uh, in the sport is a move away from um, reactive coaching to proactive coaching so if you think of Alex Ferguson and maybe Mourinho who's starting to get towards the old uh, end of his career now we see um, a lot of adjustment game by game and what we see in the new era is um, Pep Guardiola's and Pochettino's who have a style and play every week and don't want to move away from it too far so I think that squad composition is going to change in terms of the best clubs in the world. Interesting you mentioned Sir Alex Ferguson because I'd kind of flagged up in my notes that United are a good comparison for us because they started off with the young side in the class of 92 yep. and then they had a bunch of highly adaptable players around them across the squad so over the next few years I'm thinking the likes of John O'Shea, Darren Fletcher, Jason Park and Phil Jones players who can play numerous positions and slot in and I think we've got a lot of players that do similar so we've had a lot of success signing versatile players under Pochettino Dyer's the clear obvious example because he was signed primarily as a centre-back, came into the team immediately as a midfielder, and now really, I think, is unquestionably better as a midfielder than the centre-back, but can 
can play both roles. Um, but Deli Ali as well is is incredibly versatile. He can play central midfield. He can play that Ram Deuter role from the left, or he can play the role he's been playing this season, which we'll come on to a bit later. Son is another, of course, you know, natural winger has done a really good job leading the line on numerous occasions. And now we're seeing Ericsson become more versatile too. And I think Lucas Moura potentially has that in his locker to, to play that deeper role. He's actually fairly combative in midfield, which I like about him. And I think he's got the potential to play as a kind of 8.5 as well. Um, I do feel like we're still lacking that player to come on and shut things down at the end of matches since Winks stopped being the guy that did that. And I think that's one area where we do perhaps need someone who's a bit different, who can just come on and steady the ship. And maybe Dembele, when his hips finally give up on him, will become that guy who can slip in for the final 15 minutes and keep things tight and calm. Um, but I think it's a very interesting point that uh, Beaky raised. I just want to make one more point on the versatile um, strike force that we're using now in Kane's absence. Is they're very similar players, but they're not. They, they also have enough differences that you can mix them around. And you mentioned Man United and you remember the um, the Ronaldo, Tevez and Rooney trio where you could, each one offered a different quality and then you could play one centrally or the other one wide. And I think I quite like what the Spurs have got now and I would continue, I'd like to, to continue along down this path and someone like the obvious um, as a possible signing during the summer would be someone like Zaha who would offer us um, speed, skill, but also physicality because the guy is he's a big he's a big guy as well. Um, I just want to touch on Son, a versatile player. Um, I'm very optimistic about um, him performing in the centre forward role in Kane's absence over the next few weeks. I think um, I'm putting my neck on the line a little here. I think we may be in for seeing the answer to our back up to Kane question. With yeah. Son playing up top. He's um, reminded me a lot of. We mentioned him last week, Drees Mertens. He's just got that Mertens thing about him where he's just so hard to pick up and operating in that number nine role. Um, he just is something completely different and something really quite nice. Well, let's let's stick on that theme then because we had a question from uh, Spursy Yank dick on twitter who said it seemed when harry went out it confused bournemouth please explain what they and other sides have been doing to harry what should we expect with sonny being his replacement uh, so specifically bournemouth um pochettino took the opportunity of harry kane's injury and bringing lamella on to change our formation and ericsson dropped into midfield and we played a, a 4-3-3 or a, a pyramid or whatever you want to call it um and that sort of messed up Bournemouth's pressing patterns and we were able to play around them and through them um, but yeah back on to Sun um, I think because we have Lamella and we have Lucas Moura um, who will fill in for him in the wide position um, that will improve our overall play and we should be able to, to do well with him up top and it also prevented um, Bournemouth from kind of blocking the middle which is something Juventus did really well the, you just cut off the supply lines to Kane and you, you force us to keep going wide, but now with players that can go wide and interchange, we offer something completely different up front. It's quite interesting because, in theory, Son would start naturally from deeper and won't play with his back to goal so much. So his main intention is going to be to try and face up a, a defender and beat mm-hmm. them. Um, and when he does play with his back to goal, it tends to be more one-touch, which then might allow us to turn defenders more quickly and, again, get running at them. So there are subtle differences between him and Kane's games that can actually help us, uh, certainly in the short term. I think, obviously, we're going to miss Kane. There's no doubt about it. He's one of the best players in the league, one of the best players in Europe, and he's our best player. So Mm -hmm. we're going to miss him. But in Son, we've got a player who's in 
probably some of his best form he's ever been in at Spurs. Um, he seems to be just hitting his stride, getting better and better, really improving week to week. I mean, one of the things I've been so impressed with by Son recently is his finishing. He's a player that I thought sometimes struggled when he had a bit of time to think about a finish. And in the last few weeks, he scored two goals where he's had lots of time to think about it and beaten the keeper very easily with complete composure. And that's an encouraging sign for me. And um, what we kind of see happening at Liverpool and Barcelona have been doing for ages, when you have a, def- a, sh- a forward willing to take a player on, immediately it's causes problems for the opposition because it drags someone out of place and it opens up gaps whereas Kane as wonderful he is he is sometimes a little bit predictable and Sun does offer us the unpredictability so building on this we have a question from John whose Twitter at is John89871285 his telephone number he's a Russian robot He doesn't tweet like one. Uh, he says, what do we need to mount a serious Premier League challenge next season? New signings, stick with current squad, but with one more year's experience that makes a difference. Or do we need to rely on Man City going backwards? What do you guys think? Well, I think a little bit of this is going to be Man City going backwards. Because if you have a team which is just breaking records and going on unbeaten runs, then it's very hard to match that. But I think we need to, once again, start a little bit better. Last year was um, Kane's injuries. This season was Wembley. And we're already... We we keep losing ground. So when Christmas comes along, we're already behind. And especially against a team like City who don't drop many points, it's impossible for us to catch it back up. Uh, it's a very sort of dry and unromantic way to look at things. But I think the way we win the league is to just consistently stay up and about there, which is what we're roughly doing now, and wait for there to be a gap and wait for there to be a slip up. And, and that's how we do it. Um, yeah, that does sound sort of not very exciting way of putting it, but it'll be fun when it happens. I mean, it was pretty romantic when Leicester did it, so why can't go. we do the same thing? Um, I mean, I completely agree. I think we do potentially need one more match winner in the squad. Um, and certainly an Ericsson deputy, I think, is, is vital, which leads us on to the next question from Mr Walker Porter, who says, what is the main priority for the squad in the summer? What do we need more, a Dembele replacement or competition for Ericsson? I mean, I just said it. I think Ericsson deputy is, is vital. I've said that for a long time. I think it's becoming less of a problem now through um, the emergence of Lamella, again, re-emergence of Lamella, I should say, and also the signing of Lucas Moura, who seems to be a lot trickier than I thought. I think I kind of expected him to be just a pace merchant, but actually he really does seem to have an eye for a pass, which has encouraged me, and I do like the look of him when he drops into those deeper roles. But I do think some um, Ericsson cover is essential. We, if he got injured, we would really miss him. Um, and central midfield, to me, feels more of an issue now due to Winks's lack of form and fitness and Wanyama basically being in the same category. So I feel like long-term, they're both fantastic and we should be OK in that position. Though, of course, you know, Dembele's going to need replacing over the coming years, which is a scary thought, and which probably leads us nicely to, to Nathan, who's written recently mm. about that. Yeah, I keep saying Dembele's finished. I wrote a three-part series on how to replace Dembele and anyone on a tear. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stop saying that he's finished until he's been out for two years now. Um, I'm not gambling anymore. I don't know when when you have a player who, and I think it's because of his his injury and his fitness issues, who takes half a season to get going, two seasons in a row. That is an issue, and even when that player is as good as Dembele is when he's on form, and that's an incredible player. That's still an issue in the squad. Maybe. Between Winks and Dairo Yama, there could be cover there. Maybe Sissoko is doing pretty well now, so I don't know. Um, generally, I think we have a really strong squad and there's not a lot more we can do to it. 
Um, I think replacing Dembele, Dembele will be the, the key for our team going forward. I think at times we've looked a little bit short in midfield. Um, I think when Dembele's on his, on form, he's amazing like he was in that spell, but I think there's maybe been a little bit of a drop-off in his form right now. And I, I think signing someone to replace him is will be our key summer bit of business. What do you guys think about the fullback situation? Because I still feel as though potentially that's the area of the pitch in which we can see we can make the biggest gains. I think Davis has been fantastic this season. I've been really impressed. But we can go up a level from Davis still, I think. And certainly on the right, I mean, Trippier's done well. Aurier has been patchy, but has done okay for his first season. And Walker-Peters shows potential, but you know, there's definitely room for growth in both of those positions. I think that step up from Davies is Rose, but whether he's still physically capable of doing it, I'm I'm not sure. Is he even mentally capable of doing it? He he seemed to want out last summer. I don't really see that anything would have changed for him. I fully expect him to be sold in in the next transfer window. That's then obviously then we'll have to address that. Um right back Trippier has played better than I expected. I like a lot of what Aurier does, and I don't think I don't think we'll replace any of them. But if Rose goes, then there is a big question there. Um, I like Davies and Trippier. I think they're good backups, but I think they need to remain backups. And what we need to do is push them back down into deputy positions. Um, I really like Ryan Sessegnon. I've been meaning to write about him for a while. I think he's an incredibly exciting player, and I do think that his best potential future is remaining in a left back or left wing back position. Yeah, he's an interesting one because he's basically playing entirely as a winger now um had we got him when we were first linked two years ago he'd have been coming as a left back he's now posting staggering numbers from left wing he scores every other week he's getting assists most weeks and he's one of Fulham's best players if not their best player um it's going to be very interesting if we were to sign him to see where he plays and how he develops but I'm, I'm excited I think he's a really really good player and I see no reason why we wouldn't go back in for him. Okay, so next question from Scott Labert, who says, with Toby struggling with injury, do we see a back three from Poch in the near future? Do you guys prefer a back three while sacrificing the likes of Son? If Toby leaves, is a new centre-back on the list for purchases this summer? Uh, I think that whenever you play Wanyama, you need to play three centre-backs because of his limitations in passing and because he doesn't or won't or can't or Pochettino doesn't think he should drop between the centre-backs to create a back three as you're passing out the back. For that reason, there must always be three centre-backs and because of that, um, that's where the future is uh, because Wanyama is the better defensive midfielder. He's an absolute um, force in midfield. Um, So even with Toby gone and even with the... A multitude of attacking midfielders we have now I still think our best 11 features three centre-backs and I still think that that's what we should be working towards Do you think that Wanyama is stylistically closer to Dembele than Dyer, which is something I think I, I'm starting to believe? Yeah, in terms of again, his his passes, his limitations with passing and his ability to dribble the ball at his feet he's kind of a bit Dembele-like And we, we always say it's either Dyer or Wanyama but actually maybe it's Potentially Dyer and Wanyama, maybe in the future when Dembele starts to decline further. Yeah, we played them as a duo um, against uh, United and Arsenal in our last two home games at the old White Hart Lane, um, and it worked. But I remain pessimistic about them as a duo for the future. Who's that, Dyer and Wanyama? Yeah, yeah, me too. I think um, I think a back three of Toby Sanchez and Vertonghen is beautiful. That that works. It's got speed. It's got strength. It's got passing. 
I'm unsure about Dyer. Uh, he seems to be like um, Pochettino's standard bearer, the guy that he turns to. But um, I think there's been question marks over some of his passing and his performances. Even um, against Swansea, I thought he was sloppy um, at moments. I don't, I don't know where he, he's going. He's had moments where he's looked a great centre back. He's had moments where he looked okay midfield. But I'm, I'm worried that he's becoming somebody who's almost unsure in himself. And I'm not sure whether or not he has a like a long term future in our centre midfield. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Me neither, actually. <laughs> um, I think one issue with the the back three. <laughs> yeah, I'm, oh, I think we're, yeah, we're just blown away by that. <laughs> Why Mike do you hate drop. Eric Dyer? I don't hate Eric Dyer. I <laughs> apologise. I just don't think um, if you if you compare him to compare to a fit um, a fit Dembele or fit Wanyama, he doesn't displace them in our team, and therefore I don't think I, therefore I think we need to move for something better than Dyer. I'm not saying he's a bad player but if he doesn't get in when Dembele and Wanyama are fit and firing then we need to look to replace Dembele or Wanyama with someone of equal stature I think that that's something that Pochettino has been trying to do for a while and keeps failing he he brought in Alderweireld he brought in Wanyama and every time he tries to and he had to switch to a back three and then he came mm-hmm. back in and he brought Sanchez and he's still in the first 11 most weeks I think he keeps trying to get rid of them and he just can't he sticks around he has also been there have been injuries as well which yep, has helped him out there I mean I like diet don't get me wrong I'm not starting a <laughs> diet out campaign but um, there's been moments this year where I don't think he's been that great and had everybody been fit he wouldn't have started I think that's a fair point but I also think you need a player like Dyer who can cover multiple positions perfectly adequately. And I'm not away. I'm uh, not saying we should transfer list him and yeah, get rid. No, you're you're yeah. saying keep him but make him a bench player long term, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean going back to the question, I do think there's there are there's no such things now. You need a you need a vers- as we've been discussing, you need a versatile, flexible squad, jeez. one of the issues or two of the issues with the, the back three, I, as I see it the first one is where do you where do you fit Son in? Yes, that's a big question mark because it then becomes Son or Delhi essentially, unless you're going to play Ericsson in midfield, which is becoming more of a possibility. And the other is unless we sign new fullbacks or you know unless we retain Rose, I do think neither of our our, our fullbacks are suited to the wing back role where they need that athleticism to be able to start further forward and and drop back quickly as as and when. Um, Davis is a very intelligent attacking fullback. He knows when to time a run, and he uses the ball well in 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 advanced areas. He can't then track back at the pace that Rose used to be able to. Uh, and who's to say that Rose will ever get back to that point? He's had so many injuries now. And then the other side, Trippier certainly hasn't got the athleticism, and Aurier doesn't have it yet. Although I think after a a potch summer, then perhaps he will have. Um, but obviously there are other issues at the moment with Aurier and he's very much a work in progress so it's, it is going to be interesting to see how that develops over the next sort of 6 to 12 months and whether we do end up going back to a back 3 it's kind of gone out of fashion again as quickly as it came in so uh, watch this space on that one When you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Next question from Kyle Lewis, who is autonomous underscore coys, which is quite a nice at. Uh, Do you think Spurs' tactical evolution will be linked to Ericsson moving into a deeper playmaking role, much in the same way De Bruyne has for City? Well, I've, I've said this a few times. I always go refer back to what uh, Michael Laudrup says. He always thought of uh, Ericsson as a deeper line player. Um, I, we saw the advantage of dropping um, Ericsson deeper against Bournemouth. And um, perhaps perhaps he does have a future there. Um, I think De Bruyne maybe has a bit more kind of physicality about him than, than Ericsson, so I'm not sure. But perhaps I, I could I'd look forward to seeing that ev- evolution in him because it's not to say you can't be a small, technically gifted centre midfielder. Yeah, I've, I've long been a fan of the idea of playing Ericsson deeper and he has sort of been playing deeper on and off for the last three years. So um, I think his future is continually switching between those two roles or and further roles um, depending on who he plays for mm-hmm. and and what Pochino wants from him. That's a depressing thought. Yeah, I'm sorry. We have to we have to hang on to this guy for as long as we can because he's just phenomenal. I think I do think he's our second best player after Kane. I mean, I would say we've already seen the beginnings of Ericsson dropping deeper, and I think it was against Swansea a couple of years ago. He played that role for the first time for us. And I remember tweeting just beforehand that he's completely unsuited to that role and then he had an absolute masterclass, so it shows what I know. Um, but certainly being de- being deeper helps him to dictate the tempo even more than he already does and it gets us into the final third more quickly, but it does mean that we're then more reliant on others who are less talented in the final third, which is the downside at the moment. I do like the idea of Ericsson kind of running the show from midfield, possibly, dare I say, as our captain over the next season Ooh. or two. I think he's got captain potential. I think he's a very level-headed character who seems to command respect from the squad. Um, and if Lloris were to move on or were, or to have a change of heart over who, whether a goalkeeper should be the captain or not, then I think Ericsson would be a strong candidate. Question from THFC Kazoo. Keith Wick- Keith Wickle, Keith Weichel, apologies Keith um, what do you think is the most unpopular or least discussed tactical weakness of our squad and which current player highlights that weakness well um, I've just said dire yeah. <laughs> but I, I've gonna go, I'm going to go for something else because it's been um, it's been something that's been getting on my it's on my radar for a while now Hugo Lloris I am starting for the first time of his career at Tottenham I'm starting to question him um, I think he has the ability in big games to possibly go missing a little bit and I'm thinking Chelsea semi-final where Vorm had played the whole way up and then the free kick and everything else Hugo Lloris does I, I mean I'm very happy with our team and of course we've mentioned Rose and the fullbacks but I, I think Hugo Lloris's distribution and I think some of the goals he lets in could possibly have been stopped by a better goalkeeper and that's it before I get lynched <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are, there are definite weaknesses to his game, aren't there? It's near post is the big one. Kicking is the other. Uh, he's so good in other areas. He's unparalleled in terms of being able to come off his line quickly, which allows us to play a high line, which mm-hmm. is the makeup of our 
tactical being and I think he feeds into that so well um you just have to suck up the areas that he's weaker in I think because he makes us better he's the best goalkeeper in my lifetime of watching Tottenham that is the truth but also this is probably now the best Tottenham team in my lifetime of watching football so you know sometimes when you're the club keeps raising the bar and improving improving you need the rest of the team to keep doing that as well and I, I just think Lloris has perhaps stagnated a little bit I think Barley just really wants a talented young English keeper like Jordan Pickford to come in <laughs> and save us. That's a that's an in joke for Fighting Cock listeners there. Great feat. Uh, hashtag Hugo and Eric out if you agree with Barley. Um, <laughs> uh, I think fans are largely switched on to our deficiencies. I, I uh, in terms of under discussed, I would say. Um, the way that we press means that we're a very physical team and the fact that we're a very physical team really limits our recruitment because we can't bring in sort of dainty players or we can't promote dainty players from our academy. Um, that that uh, That's the only thing that I don't think ever comes up. I think that, well, that for, in my opinion, there is one other thing, which uh, is too many crosses. Okay. And, um, and I don't want to bang on about the fullbacks again, but Rose is the biggest culprit he crosses like mad and they're largely unsuccessful and it's just a possession black hole and it frustrates the hell out of me because he gets into great positions and then doesn't make the best use of those um i think ben davis is probably the best we have at picking a pass rather than crossing in the final third he's got that vision where he'll look up and see a player on rushing in his peripheral vision and i think it works really nicely and then it kind of gives a more intelligent creative player that opportunity to to play the final ball which is often a three pass um, and I'd rather we stuck to that kind of cutback rather than just whipping yeah, I, crosses. I don't have any stats to back this up. I'm just going to use my eyes and my memory. But um, Carl Walker was, um, he did at first really frustrate me at Tottenham because he would constantly get into crossing positions, but then he wouldn't cross and he would consistently cut back. But um, we kind of developed a play where he would cut back and it would the ball would come back to Ericsson, automatically changing the angle and things would be more dangerous. And um, we're seeing that at lot uh, Man City as well, where Walker gets down the line, stretches the defence, and then comes back and lays the ball off to someone a little bit better or in a better place to cross. So I, I do agree with you there that Rose should sometimes come back inside and change the play a little bit. Walker was so underrated. He really was so underrated. So we're getting through these quite efficiently, guys. We've, we've got four or five left, I think. So the next one is uh, Thomas, Tom underscore RR. In your opinions, and then purely statistically, how does this season compare to last for Delhi? What specific factors do you attribute the differences to? I'm going to do that in reverse order, just to be annoying. Um, so statistically, he's scoring less and assisting more. And I think that that matches the eye test when you watch him. He's maybe getting into the box a little less, maybe playing more creative passes. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily um, an instruction from Pochettino or um, a conscious decision on his end. I think it might just be naturally the way the game has changed around him and the fact that we've moved to a 4-2-3-1 more this year away from the 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 of last season. Um, So it could just be sort of a natural variance in his game, but he does seem to be a little more creative and a little less goal-hungry. Yeah, I think we'll see... um Delhi score a few more goals now we've changed the formation I think um, well it changed the lineup up front I think we'll see him score a few more goals I've quite enjoyed him getting a bit more involved in the build up play um, I think some of his through passing has been great and you know 
I'm actually I actually prefer this Deli Ali. I think he is more influential. Before it was always the kind of thing. Oh, he just scores goals, doesn't do anything else. I am I am enjoying watching him become this um, this midfielder rather than just this guy who turns up late. Rather than like you know a fancy Clint Dempsey. I'm enjoying <laughs> watching him become. I don't want to use Steven Gerrard, but like a player who's involved and comes from deep and creates things. He's just adding more strings to his bow, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And he's becoming a more mature, rounded player. And it's, it is definitely shown in the stats. So his key passes per 90 minutes have gone up from 1.5 to 2.2, which is a pretty large... Straight from memory, all those <laughs> <Yeah>. stats. <laughs> straight, off, straight off the dome. Uh, and his shots have gone down 2.8 to 2.2. So that's sh- probably the sign of a player being less greedy and starting to get his head up and look for teammates more possibly also because he's in a deeper position. We haven't really seen much of that kind of out-to-in run he was making to get on the end of crosses last season, but that's not necessarily a problem, and it's possibly because Son's been playing more who does that instead. So yep. mm-hmm. Son's inclusion means Delhi's playing a slightly different role, and I think it suits him really nicely. He is versatile. He can he can play the midfield role. He did against Liverpool at Wembley early in the season. Uh, did it very well. Nullified their midfield for a lot of the game. Um yeah, I, I'm thoroughly impressed by what he's done this year, and I'm fascinated to see where England play him in the summer. Yeah, and if he's the, the good thing from our point of view, if he's not banging in the goals and catching the like he scored 25 goals this season, perhaps the um, kind of interest from those teams that only look at goals will die down, and he can have a good few years with us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James nine eight six James on Twitter says, "Does switching to a four two three one to fit in Son, Eriksson, Ali, and Kane automatically produce less width as the fullbacks and wing back wingbacks are less adventurous, or is the more conservative nature of our fullbacks due to a change or lack of suitable personnel?" Yeah, sort of a bit of both in in that sort of move to a forty three one thing. I think in terms of in which um, formation do we provide more width? Um, it's sort of a tricky one. I, the positions that players take up is um, uh, created by a positional system that Pochettino implements. So we maintain the same shape even when we're not in the original base shape. So um, when we play three at the back, the two wing backs provide the width. And when we play 4-3-3-1, one full back and one attacking midfielder play in the wider position, which is normally Sun on the left and either Trippier and Aurea on the right. So I don't think we play any less wide in any one formation. Yeah, I, I think the change of personnel at fullbacks, um, losing Rose, losing Walker, has affected the way we play there. And yeah, I think a change in formation has affected it. Yeah, and kind of what I was saying earlier in terms of crossing, you don't need width doesn't necessarily have to mean crossing. It's just stretching the defenders across mm-hmm. the pitch to create pockets of space inside, which then our talented attacking midfielders move into and benefit from. So that's the key, isn't it? It's having someone standing in that wide area on both sides. Like Nathan says, it doesn't matter if it's Davies, it doesn't matter if it's Trippier, it doesn't matter if it's Son. Just someone being there to stretch the defence across the pitch um, then leaves pockets of space, which Ericsson and co can exploit yeah if you look at Guardiola's teams his wide men they are on the line they completely stretch the play and it's not really their fullbacks that are doing it next question from Callum BC the Grand Slam who you may have heard on the Fighting Cock before Uh, he says with a lot of talk about Juve old manning us at Wembley what old head say 32 plus would you sign if given the choice you see I, I 
I don't think there is a um, 32-year-old player that could just turn in, turn up at Spurs and change the way we play. Not now. I think um, Juve old-manned us by having a collection of old heads and having a manager who has knocked out over two legs Barcelona and Real Madrid in the last three years. Plus, he's won back-to-back titles. That is what old-manned us. Um, unfortunately, Pochettino is constantly learning, constantly improving. But he just came up against a force of nature, which is this Juventus team and this manager. I think with the lessons we learned from that will stand us in good stead if we can keep these players together. And I don't think it's a question of going out there and signing like a, you know, like a Xabi Alonso or a Dani Alves. It's more to do about our team maturing and our manager maturing than signing one player. Is Luka Modric 32 yet? Because... <sighs> He's, is that what you were going to say? He, uh, yeah, not because of his experience, not because of his heads, but because um, he's still in the top three central midfielders mm-hmm. in the world and would um, make us compete with Manchester City. Ooh. But yeah, I think I think you I think you're probably right. And imagine him working under Pochettino oh. would be a thing of beauty. Well, yeah, I mean that was what I was going to say. I was going to I was going to say, is there any possibility that he would come back? And maybe if he just drops off a little. Then may, maybe it's possible, um, but I, you know, in terms of old heads, that we've got our own old heads now. Vertonghen and Dembele are both thirty, then both coming up to thirty-one. Uh, Lloris will be thirty-two this year. Uh, we've got Michelle Vorm, obviously, still uh, still knocking around for the time being. He's he's currently thirty-four, so we've got enough old heads, I think, in the squad already without needing to go out and sign another. It's just. Um, like Barley says, it's about having that collective experience and, and know-how. I think. Yeah, I think I think for sure we're beyond that, the old days of signing Edgar Davids or Nuruddin Nabet to come in and like teach us or or sign like a, when Leicester signed Cambiasso who came in and settled them down. I think it's more about our team maturing, and um, I hate to use this word, but you know, kind of like Chiellini said after the game, if we start winning crucial games, then the team changes, the mentality changes, and we've seen that. And I think had we beaten Juventus, then we would have seen immediately a kind of different change in, in Tottenham and a belief system. And it's coming, but it's, we just need to keep the team together. Next question from Brian McPherson, Brian MacP on Twitter, who's been very supportive of the podcast. Thank you, Brian. Uh, he says, how do you rank the following in terms of indispensability? And he lists Kane, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Eriksson, Ali, Dembele and Son. Do you think that's his... I think, do you think that's the order he's listed them in? I, I guess possibly. And it's there's certainly an argument that you could list them in, in that way. Um, I mean, do you want, should, we, should we just list ours first and see where it goes? Or, or did you want to make arguments for uh, one player or another? Pochettino said, without Moussa Dembele, Tottenham Hotspur do not exist. And um, I think that's become less true, not because... Um, our squad has dramatically changed, but because we've developed or he's developed different ways of dealing with it, um, and he's still our most unique uh, player. I think that because we've developed a way of ways of dealing without Dembele, that Ericsson is now our most indispensable player. And if you look at uh, Southampton away, where um, he was ill, and our complete inability to create chances without him, um, I think that that would allude to him being very irreplaceable yeah I think that's a strong argument it's not necessarily about your best player it's about who's the most indispensable and that comes back again to the composition of the squad and who the alternatives are Buddy any thoughts? yeah I think um, Alderweireld possibly before this season's injury he would have been 
maybe at number three after Kane and Eriksen. But I think we've coped quite well. Um, I think Vertonghen deserves to be right at the top because with a variety of different centre-backs, he's looked wonderful the last couple of years. And I think I don't think you can underestimate Delhi's influence on our team and the way he sets tempo and his contribution to how we play. Dembele is still, when he's on form, he's probably one of our best players. But unfortunately, like we keep mentioning, his um, powers do kind of wave. They are He's on song for a while and then he kind of drops off for a bit. I think that's a good point in terms of um, Alderweireld and had we not signed Davinson Sanchez and he not done so well in his first season, Alderweireld would have been my number two or three. As it is, he's probably number six for me with Vertonghen seven because I think we can cope without one of those centre-backs. If they were both injured at the same time, we'd be screwed. Don't get me wrong, we we couldn't cope without both. Um, So I think my order would probably be Eriksson, Kane, Dembele, Deli and Son joint maybe. And then Alderweireld, then Vertonghen. But it's a very close run thing and you can make arguments either way for numerous players. I mean, Nathan makes a great point about Dembele that he used to be so vital, perhaps is less so now because we've learnt to cope without him. I still feel like at the moment with Wanyama, and particularly in this moment with Wanyama and Winks not fit and firing, he's vital. Yeah, and I just I keep I only remember this the other day when we played City away, we had no Alderweireld or Sanchez, and I think Sanchez is um, Sanchez's way the way he's played, the way he's settled, his um, even just he doesn't seem to get injured or kind of suffer from anything. He's turned into a wonderful centre back who has, you know, unfortunately made Alderweireld perhaps not as important, and has probably had issues with his contract signing where we've turned around and said, look, you're not indispensable anymore because we've got Sanchez. A few people have actually started questioning Sanchez recently, I noticed. Um, I think there was a couple of moments in the, um, the Swansea game where where Abraham wanted to... I mean, Abraham was a big guy and he, he did bully him once, but Sanchez is so commanding and composed on the ball for, for one so young. I think he's remarkable yeah. for his age. Um, I, I can't understand anyone who would question him as uh, I look over and see Cave. Not so sure on, on Big Dav... Uh, we'll <laughs> perhaps come back to that. Um, last question is from uh, Zander Wood, Paradox Seamoron. That's a good at. He says, assuming we become Champions League regulars with income from the new stadium, big if, will that be the end of the youth team players breaking into the first team and thereby making Windy obsolete? That is savage. I just got visions of Windy in a dusty old attic, sat there, <laughs> laptop on his, on his, <laughs> rocking on gently, his, on his rocking gently, I'm muttering. No I used to be something. What are you going to do with all those Saturday mornings? You know, do take I, up the, a new hobby. This season, I've not been to a single under eighteen game on Saturday for various reasons, wow. um, and it's, it's it's been nice. It's been nice to not have to new travel three hours round trip to go and watch them. Um, yeah, but it's, it's an interesting question. Any thoughts before I, um, I wade in? I, I don't think it will prevent youth team plays. If they're good enough, It will. we maybe won't see the kind of Philip Lesniaks or um, Kaziah Sterlings of the world get one minute and become maybe a quiz on, on a Fighting Cock podcast. <laughs> we maybe not see that happen, but if they're a player like Winks or Harry Kane who are good players, we will. they will still get their time in the first team. Yeah, I think it's less about club standing and more about um, the system in place and the mentality in place surrounding young players at the club. Um, I don't think it's a huge if that we become Champions League regulars or maintain be- being Champions League regulars. Um, 
but I, I, th- I think that the system will remain in place as long as good coaches are in place. Yeah, I'm going to say one more thing before Windy cuts in because he looked like he just he's bit, already obsolete. He, like, no, he looked like he just bit a lemon and then he, he's, he's waiting to fire shots at me. <laughs> but I think the lack, the reason why we haven't seen that many youngsters this season is perhaps maybe they're not good enough. I think there's a bit of that. Um, I definitely think there's a bit of that, but I also think it's very hard for youngsters to become good enough without an opportunity. And I think the problem is, and the thing that will stop the likes of Kane and Winks coming through, is that they don't get the opportunities now. And Pochettino's made a great point. Yes, we are at a level now where it's much harder for a young player to be good enough to break into the team, and that's completely fair enough. And he sees them every day in training. He sees the progress they're making or not making. I still personally believe that without first-team football without a taste of actually playing a match it's very very difficult for a young player to know what is required of him and to have that thing to aim for so just being a part of training every day I don't think will necessarily help um, and it's interesting you mentioned the likes of Lesniak because I sort of would put Anthony Georgiou in the same boat and he's one that we have seen make a debut this year he's very much a player who will go on and have a career at League 2 level in my opinion he's He's fine. He's he's a, a good technical player who Spurs could be proud to have say they've produced. Um, and t- to have any kind of career is a huge achievement. That's a vast majority of young players end up, you know, doing a completely different job for a mm-hmm. living. And so he can be very proud if he does anything with his career. But he's not Spurs level quality, and yet he's one who's made his debut this year, been training with the first team regularly. Um, so I'm not sure that rings true about those players being the ones that don't get the chances. I've mentioned a couple of times, but the, the youth players are they are a victim, unfortunately, of Tottenham improving. We saw Mason, Kane, Bentaleban, these guys come in when we were struggling. So obviously, if the team aren't playing well, you do open the door for, for youngsters to come through. But I still believe if we have a manager who's willing to put faith in those players, we will continue to see youngsters if they're of sufficient quality. Well, unfortunately, what it does do is it lifts the level that they have to be at and the levels that they have to prove in training. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I kind of want to talk about this more, but I, it's a hobby horse and I should probably save it for a youth pod at some point. Yeah, the days of um, a Johnny Jackson coming through and playing for Tottenham are gone, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> the, the, my concern is the days of a Harry Kane coming through and playing for Tottenham might might be gone because he only got that chance like you say because we weren't good enough at the time mm-hmm. because Adebayor was struggling because Soldado was struggling and if we if we as good as we are now regularly then it's going to be very difficult for a young player to force his way in again and also because we're in the Europa League and yes. he was rotating more in that um, and there are much less minutes in early stage domestic cup games for youth players to prove themselves and he and Kane had to prove himself several weeks in a row and score a hatchet and go and go yeah. um, before he finally got his go in the league so, yeah. yeah Pot- I mean Poch doesn't seem too keen on giving young players opportunities in the cup competitions although he's rotated the team heavily he's always had the big guns as it were on the bench to, yep. to bring on should we need them and that means there are fewer places for players like Oakley Booth or or some of my favourites like Tanganga and uh, Oliver Skip. Yeah, um, I, I just I just feel a little bit uncomfortable about using Harry Kane as, as an example because he is a um, he's someone who was highly thought of but kind of lacked it, and he is an ex- he's probably the exception to the rule, I think, of youngsters coming through and making it. He is a, a, he's, he's a, a one, he's a once in a lifetime kind of kind of player. I hope we've um, answered 
your question if, if you sent them in uh, apologies if we've missed some um i think we've been pretty efficient there though um let's move on to our regular further reading section um and i'm going to start because i've only got one thing and uh, i don't want one of you to pinch it <laughs> and it is the uh, quickly kevin podcast which is really really good po- podcast which josh widdicombe um hosts who's not everyone's cup of tea but it's about 90s football which is very much my cup of tea and the latest which is the first in season three had james richardson on and it was phenomenal he's a great guy and i did not realize that he didn't know anything about football before he started presenting football (laughs) italia as a really weird insight into his his start um highly recommend it it's really funny really well pitched and um just yeah that, that particular episode is a great chat so. it's also linked to the um the film coming out on bt sport about 25 years of football italia indeed he's doing yeah he, so he's around he's pushing it loosely a documentary and, and also the fact that um he started this galaccio podcast now as well which is very good yeah uh is james acaster on the pod you mentioned at all because I know he's friends with Josh Widdicombe and I'm a huge fan of he's fantastic yeah I really like his book it was amazing Um, he has appeared on one episode I believe yeah well worth a listen Uh, my further reading is uh, ex-guest Jack Pitt Brooks uh, interview with Christian Eriksen in the Independent Um, excellent excellent article win interview Um, I had intended to take a break from um, reading football books but um, Amazon chucked um, The Nowhere Men in front of me by Michael Michael Calvin and um, I downloaded it today and started reading it today and it's really well written, it's brilliant, it's about scouting networks, how they work, um, about the kind of life of a scout, I'm only a few chapters in but already, already um, because it's set in 2012, they're talking about players, youth players back then, so you can hear them already talking about Kane, Redmond, um, Nathan Chabala, these kind of guys. So it's quite nice to read something um, six years after it was written and to see whether or not those scouts are correct on those players and whether or not they'd make it. Um, as I said, I'm only two chapters in, but it's so far it's brilliant. My, the Nowhere Men by Michael Calvin. Thank you very much. Um, that's, that's a book I've, I've wanted to read for a while myself. I'm interested in your review when you get to the end of it. I think there might be a few... You mentioned Kane there. I think there might be a few Spurs references because I remember when it came out or just after, a lot of people um, told me I should definitely read it because there's lots of Spurs youth mentioned. Yeah, um, um, Clive Allen's already been mentioned a few times. It's very um, Damon Camoli heavy so far. Nice. So um, it will talk about... I guess it's going to go into um, his scouting techniques at Spurs and obviously he's at Liverpool at the time of, uh, of writing. Interesting stuff. Um, we'll leave it there, guys. Thank you both very much. So um, if anyone wants to follow Nathan or Bardi on Twitter, it's Nathan A. Clark and Bardi TFC. And I'm Wendy Coys. That's Coys for coming your Spurs. Um, and if you do have a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, that'd be very much appreciated. In fact, you know what? That's, that's, that's what all podcasts say these days. Let's go old school. Tell someone about our podcast. <laughs> Text like, one of your friends. It's just like they made a film about this. Pay it forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a send an SMS message. If 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 everyone listening tells a friend about the extra inch, and then that friend hears this episode and tells a friend, we'll grow exponentially. Yeah. This is how we take over football I think podcasting. The future of podcasting is in spoken word discussion. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll be back next month at some point. That's it. Done. Bye. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. Oh,
was really interesting, mate. Yeah. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.